The Quality and Outcomes Framework, or QOF, is a pay-for-performance programme that was introduced in 2004 to improve care in UK general practice. While it was originally introduced to achieve best evidence-based practice across the country and reduce variability in care, it has evolved and expanded over the years and become subject to much criticism. An analysis article in the BMJ questions the validity of QOF in our current healthcare climate and looks to ways that we can move away from process incentives towards prioritising the clinical care and health outcomes that people want to achieve. I'm Navjoit Lada, Analysis Editor, and I'm joined now by Martin McShane, Medical Director for Long-Term Conditions at NHS England and one of the authors of the article. Hello, Martin. Hello. Hi. Martin, in a nutshell, can you tell us the main argument that you're putting forward in the article? What we're trying to put across is that uh, Quaff has had some success. Uh, it has certainly changed the way that general practice approaches data collection, which is great but it may have now served its time in its current format. We need to focus on quality improvement across the whole system. We need to focus on what matters most to people. We need to understand that the context has really changed with more and more people experiencing multimorbidity, which is bringing its own problems about, And also we need to acknowledge that we now have much better ways of managing data and of managing information uh, in a modern internet-enabled world, which really the NHS needs to catch up with. Okay. Um, Now, in the article, you mentioned that there are three changes in the healthcare system that suggest we might have outgrown the current format of QOF. Um, Let's go through each of these in turn. Now, first... Um, as you describe in the article, is the change in our understanding of quality. So I think if we if if we look at quality uh, as defined by Darcy, it um, acknowledges that there are three components. There is effectiveness, there is safety, but there is also equally important now patient experience. And I think uh, somehow we've become a bit disconnected with understanding the importance of care of compassion and of the experience people have of their health and care, which is as important, perhaps if not more so, than the processes we apply. Okay. And um, the second change you mentioned relates to the ageing population and changes in the people we treat. Well, this is probably the biggest driver for me in when I started thinking about this article because it was meeting a group of GPs who said to me, Uh, when I was talking about a particular pathway of care for, I think it was diabetes a number of years ago, they looked at me in a rather tired and resigned fashion and said, look, Martin, our patients haven't got diabetes. They haven't got heart failure. They haven't got arthritis. They haven't got COPD. And they haven't got dementia. They've got dementia, COPD, arthritis and diabetes. So I think one of the things that we need to understand about the uh, changes in the patients we treat is probably best illustrated by uh, the startling fact that that arose when I got the analyst to look at emergency bed day usage by uh, age group in England in 2013-14. If you're under the age of 40 in this country, you will use about 1 million emergency bed days in England. If you're over the age of 85 you will use 7 million. 
If you're over the age of 75, that cohort in our population now use 46% of all emergency bed days. Now, what we do know, although old age doesn't cause multimorbidity, it correlates with multimorbidity. What we also know is that the evidence on which much of the quaff uh, indicators are predicated is based on research which is usually single condition specific and often excludes anyone over the age of 65 or anyone with multimorbidity. Well this presents a real challenge to the modern healthcare system and we are creating a burden of treatment and investigation on people where actually we need to take a step back and say what matters most to you? And how can we design our care and our principles of our care and our measurement around what matters most to you rather than a purely biomedical model? Yeah, so what you're saying is that these um, incentives that we have in Quaff at the moment don't best serve our changing population, you know, the, the well, needs of... That's absolutely right. They don't change. They don't service the sixteen uh, percent of people who now occupy thirty-three percent of all GP consultations. Um, and uh, I think the other thing is the way we've created this system. Neither does it really support quality improvement. If you go back to the essence, some of the principles of quality improvement, it's that we should be using metrics on as regular basis as possible, and once a year isn't really good enough. So this relates again to the third point you relate in the article, which is um, changes in the way that we collect and use data. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I, again, it struck me that uh, one of the first things which changed my behaviour was back in the early 1990s as a GP, when we first started getting PAC data, prescribing data. And I looked into this and from that data could see what we as a practice were doing uh, in terms of effectiveness and also value what we were spending uh, money on and was it really effective and we made big changes in those days and it struck me now that with we have one of the most modern general practice based computer systems in the world probably the biggest chronic disease register in the world and yet we don't tap into that in a way which it seems to me we could do to create true quality improvement in the same way that we publish data for prescribing why you know could we use the same sort of data extract from GP systems to feedback for quality improvement? Now, I understand that a lot of people will have a great reluctance about that because they'll fear it will be used in the wrong way. Um, but I think we need, as a profession, to step up and say, actually, we could do a lot better through peer review and transparency of information, which... Uh, you know, the current Secretary of State has just announced that's the way he would like to see the system moving. So that's that's heartening. So um, at a practical level, um, what do you see as the way forward for Quaff? Well, we've already seen the first steps towards uh, decreasing the number of uh, indicators, the burden of Quaff. Uh, we've already seen uh, experimentation and piloting going on, for instance, in Somerset. And I know that a number of other areas are looking at how can they change the way they use measurement to improve the quality of care and not link uh, what is a significant sum of money, a billion pounds a year, to incentivising a, uh, a, a set of uh, process measures. And I think we've also, we are at the 
at the start of what is a, a very exciting time for the NHS and general practice. Uh, Building on the five-year forward view, which was published uh, last year, the vanguards and uh, a, a real disruption in the provider landscape in England and looking at how data can be used to support new models of care. And I'm not sure that the the quaff as it's currently constructed, will really be seen as invaluable to those new models of care. So I think we, we need to engender the debate. We need to move forward. We mustn't lose measurement. And uh, be under no illusion, this paper is not about, oh, let's get rid of the bureaucracy of measurement, for instance. That's not right. Good measurement is a powerful driver in the system. It asks good questions of the system, and the more regularly we can feed that back to clinicians who, in, who are datophilic, the better, in my opinion, because intrinsic motivation is four times more powerful than financial motivation, although, you know, sometimes financial motivation can help. So what you're saying is that we just need to be measuring the right things. Yeah, that's easy to say. It's hard to do. Uh, we do need to have a constructive dialogue between commissioners, between providers, uh, with the profession leading on this, in my opinion, to construct a new, uh, transparent, open set of information, uh, benchmarked to support peer review, continuous quality improvement, and to reduce variation in the system. Because that's what we owe our patients, first and foremost, and that's what we owe the taxpayer as well, because uh, we're privileged in this country not to have to ask anyone if they can afford to pay for the treatment we think they should have. OK. Um, I mean, the arguments against Quaff have been kind of rumbling and building for a long time. And I'm a GP and I recognise in many of my colleagues as well that there is this perception that it it detracts from being able to provide ind individualised care. It takes up consultation time practice administrative time, even headspace that might be better put towards developing other ways of improving clinical care. Is there an argument, do you think, for scrapping quaff altogether? Well, I think there's um, uh, there's certainly a debate to be had about what you incentivise and how you incentivise it. And as I've said in, 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 in the article, that having a rolling cycle of focused incentives around improving uh, processes in some areas uh, could be invaluable. So what we know from looking at Quaff is that the biggest impact was in the first three to four years. And since then, a lot of things have plateaued. So carrying on doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome is um, is 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 not logical. So we we I think there is a need to have incentives and measurement. Uh, there's definitely a need to continue with measurement. But quaff in its current construct, I think there's a a a, a growing acceptance that the that there is a need to fundamentally review how we use that incentive. Okay. And for GPs that right now at this time are kind of perhaps struggling to keep up with all, with all of this um, administrative demand, if you like, um, what would you say to them? Well, I think one of the things we do have to do is step back and look at what really, really great systems do, which is they build measurement into their workflow and they use it to improve workflow. So I've been to a number of practices where they are using measurement 
as, as defined by Coif, for instance, to better improve the care of their patients. But I think there's a little bit of a problem with general practice that sometimes it sees everything is outside its control, whereas actually quite a lot of our business methods and the way we approach delivering care actually needs to be redesigned and improved and made more effective and efficient internally. We need to own that change. Uh, now that's hard sometimes and it does require some thinking space and I know and acknowledge and really appreciate the pressures everyone is under. Uh, but that's, that's not unique to general practice in the modern world and I think we need to embrace the need to change some of the ways we work as well. Martin, thank you so much for joining us today. That's been really illuminating. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. You've been listening to Martin McShane talking about Quaff. You can now read the analysis article, Person-Centred Coordinated Care, Where Does the Quaff Point Us, on the bmj.com. <laughs>